before I came up, but thinking to myself, something's not like it normally is for the service, and what is it that's just not catching? And it's the organ. That's, what's th that's what thinking in my mind. Normally, I've got the organ in one ear and the piano on the other ear, and as I got to thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I miss, Wan miss Mrs. Wontok today. So, Brother Phil, you make sure to let her know that we missed her today. Uh, she wasn't feeling so well when she uh, got up today, from what I understand, and that's no, uh, no thanks to Brother Phil, right? I'm just kidding, okay? And I do that to my wife sometimes. Sometimes she gets up and I just make her morning all rough. So, but uh, do pray for Mrs. Wontuck. I just want to say, I don't, I don't feel like I say it enough. I do appreciate uh, Ms. Wontuck, Ms. Anderson, Brother Rob. Um, they work with our music. And um, Mrs. Crosby's behind the scenes all the time working with our beginners class. And, um, and they, Ms., Mrs. Thornton's in there too with the Jones Church. And, um, and then I, I know we've got many of you who help with our nursery. I'm just so thankful for um, uh, so and encouraged to see our church all coming together as we are and working together in that way. Uh, let me tell you, if you're not plugged in in some way, find some way that you can be. And uh, we, uh, you know, you think we're almost halfway through the month, the year of 2022. We're uh, we're hitting that the end of the fifth month and. Um, the question that should be asked in your mind is analyzation of yourself. Since January, what more have you done for God in 2022 than you did in 2021? Are you plugged in more things in, in your church? Uh, are you busy for God in a way in which you were not, maybe outside of the church? Uh, are you uh, having a, a consistent walk with God as you should be? Uh, th these are all things that we should be asking ourselves routinely, but when we get through half a year and we get ready to step into the summer and all the vacations begin to pick up. Uh, it's a good thing to be asking ourselves: Am I having the right walk with God as I should? We we had a, a, a missions month in March, and some of you, uh, I don't know who, but I, undoubtedly I know I my wife and I did on on a different level made commitments concerning missions. Are you staying consistent with that? Have you stayed faithful to that? Uh, these things are between you and the Lord. Uh, but uh, this is I have to remember this is my part as your pastor to help. To help us to walk and to walk, to live for the Lord and walk uh, for the Lord as we should, and and um, uh, someday I'll be held accountable for my leadership. But all of us, in the end of the day, will be held accountable for our relationship with God and what we've done for Him. And uh, may it be said of us that we've been faithful. Uh, I just I'm so humbled in just thinking about the the fact that um, it's been now just coming on two years that my wife and I have been here with you all. Uh, here at Community Bible Church, and uh, it seems like it's gone by so fast. Uh, and um, but uh, you know, you grow together, you learn together. Uh, there's there's stages as any part of life. But uh, uh, you know, one thing I love about that uh, reaching this point is now I'm get I, I I know you. I know who I'm speaking to. I don't know you front and back. I'm not saying that, uh, but I, I know you enough that I can speak to you. It's hard to speak to people when you don't know them. Sometimes you can speak generally, and you know you come in, you do your special preacher, something, you know. You, but but when you're preaching weekly, and you and you're preaching to people you're, you're getting to know, that's hard uh, because you uh, you don't you don't you're not able to preach what's on your heart so much because you don't know the heart of the people you're speaking to, and so um, it makes uh, you know I'm just just talking with you here as your pastor. It makes even preaching um, that much more alive for me and uh, uh, when, when, I, when I can speak and know the heart of the people that I'm speaking to and I can speak in knowing 
uh, within my heart, this is something that I, I believe all of us of a church can agree we need for today because this has fed me and it's going to feed the church and, uh, or that this has helped me to progress and this is going to help the church to progress. And, and um, I, I hope that you feel in the same way. And, you know, uh, I can't say that, we, that I, I've excelled. My wife, I think, does even better than I, but that I've excelled entirely maybe on coming, and coming out to your place or visiting your, you know, standing at your doorstep and saying hello, that sort of thing. Um, but it is my desire to get to know you and uh, to be able to be a part of your life, at least uh, to be able to do what I can for the Lord to help uh, you to grow in your Christian life. And um, I'm encouraged to see that the uh, newer, I won't say new faces, but the newer faces we've seen coming uh, this, even this year, 2022, a number of you that are here today uh, are, you've either just joined or you've been here with us for the past few months. I'm so encouraged you're here. And I hope that it's a prayer of yours that uh, if God would lay upon your heart to maybe become a permanent part of this church and actually join. And uh, that should be a prayer of yours in any way. Of, and uh, look, that takes time. Sometimes it takes uh, a month for, for a family. Sometimes it takes six months. I, I never tell, I, I always try to tell every family that comes and we, the, 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 it always comes up the subject of membership. And uh, I say, you know, give yourself at minimum a month we're not here to push you. We're not here to pressure you. Uh, but uh, I do believe that church membership is biblical. And it should be something that's, that you're praying about. And, um, you know, sometimes it, it just takes time. I can remember uh, people in my, my father's church growing up. Many of you know I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, and uh, some came and they never joined. And that, did that mean we treated them differently? No, that's not the intent to treat you differently. Uh, we do. We do. Uh, seek to place people that we know and are a part of our church uh, in areas of leadership and serving to have those people who are members as a part, not because we're exclusive, but just because we know who they are. And, uh, you know, if, uh, put it to you this way, if I brought my now new two children <laughs> into a, uh, uh, a new church and, and put them into the nursery, I would like to be able to have a confidence that these are church members that are there and watching my children uh, than somebody who's only been there for a couple weeks and they don't know who she is. You know, she's been just got out of prison a week ago, but she wanted to be a part of our nursery. You know, and uh, so uh, the, the, there's reasons why we do those things. Not nothing personal, uh, but uh, we we all are a family together in Christ, a body of believers together. That's what makes up a church. You set church membership and all that aside. Yes, those things are biblical, but what makes up a church? It's a body of believers, and so you get a body of believers. That is the church. Amen. And it's a living body. And so you've made yourself, you call this, call this church your church. You've made this your church. I'm encouraged that you have. And I hope that uh, God is doing a work in your life. And I pray that, uh, that we can grow together in Christ. And, and uh, iron sharpeneth iron. Uh, my goal is not to come to you like I know it all. Because uh, I can tell you, and others can tell you, I most definitely don't. Um, uh, I've learned to be confident in that which I do, <laughs> I try to be anyway, but, uh, but uh, the, the goal is not for me to, to, to know it all. The goal is not for you to know it all, it's for us to grow together. And I, I am no more than, than uh, a, 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 a man who has been called by God to be a preacher. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not any more special uh, than anyone else, and, I, and I'll be the first one to say that. And so uh, with all that being said, uh, my wife and I love you. We appreciate you all. We are, we're reminded once again of how much we do just in all the, the congratulations and the, thing, you know, the 
the encouraging notes and things that we've received in the, in the past few days with the baby and things, and we appreciate so much all your prayers. We need it. Uh, pray for my wife. She needs it. Now she's got to deal with another baby on top of the two others she already had, me being one of them, right? And uh, so let's take our Bibles together, and we'll turn to the book of John with one another. John and chapter number 8. John chapter 8. Didn't mention the teenagers had a good time I saw for their activity uh, the other day. I was a little bit envious seeing them all on, uh, you know, riding horses and things like that. And, um, you know, I, at the same time, I was glad to be with my daughter. But uh, uh, we, uh, we are um, thankful for the Fleers and uh, Michael and Regina and the, the ministry that they have with the teenagers. What did you have, 15, 14, 12? So uh, somewhere around that frame, right? So that's a good group of teenagers. And some, some of those are not even uh, but activity attenders. Pray for our youth group. Uh, we're really asking that God would do something special uh, amongst our teenagers, and not just through teen camp, but uh, uh, we've already seen uh, that ministry grow some. Uh, but that's something that's on my heart. I hope that it will be on yours. Be praying for our, our youth ministry. John chapter 8, and we're looking together in verse number 1. The Word of God says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came uh, unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman, taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go, and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto him, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came, and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whether I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself. And the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. I want to bring your attention to verse number 2, where the word of God says, And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Let's pray. Our heavenly gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we find within it. And I pray this morning that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, clear my mind of any distractions. I pray that you would clear the minds of every believer today of any uh, thoughts or burdens that they may be carrying that would uh, cause uh, their heart and their mind to be drawn away from the message of your word. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would have 
preeminence. May you have uh, the, the rightful place of working in and through uh, our lives, speaking to us, identifying to us uh, the areas of growth, the areas of progression, uh, challenging our hearts, encouraging our hearts. Lord, to what, to what extent that you may have this message for us, we pray that, it would, uh, that, that your word would speak to us. Lord, we ask for your blessing. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We often have heard John chapter 8 and verse 12, a verse that uh, I would say for the many of us, likely the most of us, have even memorized. Uh, one of the, uh, and really the second of the passages of Scripture where we find the I am's that Jesus refers to him as. The, and he says in this passage, I am the light of the world, verse 12. Uh, but oftentimes when we, when we memorize verses and we know them by heart, we can sometimes forget the context for which they are being given. And in this case, for, that which, for which reason Jesus is speaking and what he is responding to. And we come to an interesting passage of Scripture because it, we yet for much of it, it is very vague. But we gain a, 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 an idea of that which um, Jesus was seeking to teach. And as we read in verse number 2, this was one of yet many times that we find Jesus teaching. You know, it's interesting that even at the beginning of Jesus' life on earth, uh, where was he found by his parents when he was found not to be? He was found in the temple teaching. And it, 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 this was a, uh, always a thing that we find of Jesus in the temple and teaching, uh, always speaking and, and people always listening. Boy, that should be a reminder to us uh, that when God speaks, are we listening? Are we letting God and his word have his way in our life? I've entitled the message uh, that very thing this morning, when God speaks, when God speaks. Uh, what, I, I can't help but ask myself when reading this passage, uh, when was the last time that I just simply let God speak to me? You say, wait a minute, as a pastor you're asking yourself that? Yes. Because sometimes, uh, I, in the Christian life, I can get so used to all the Christian lingo, I can get so used to all the Christian mannerisms and, and the prayers and and even the schedule of Bible reading, I can get caught up in all of the things of Christianity and even the Bible knowledge that comes with Christianity and, and not let God speak to me. Christian, the question I have for you this morning, or maybe you're here today and you're, you, you say, I don't even know that I am a Christian. When was the last time that you can acknowledge that God spoke to you? And we believe, according to the Word of God, that it is through God's word that he speaks to us. And all God's people said, amen. We believe that today that God has given us his word to speak to us by. We don't receive a message in the clouds. We don't look at the chalkboard and wait for something to write up on that board. Uh, we, we don't uh, you know, see that a text message will suddenly arrive on our phone and this is God speaking to me. Uh, God does use things by ways of drawing us to himself. But the direct message of God and how to live the Christian life and the direction for the Christian life is found in his word. Amen. And we know that it is through God's word that he speaks to us. So the question should be asked to us this morning. When God speaks, when God speaks, are we letting him have his way in our life? When God speaks, are we letting him have his rightful place in our life? What we find of God's, yet not the first time, but yet the, 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 now the, about the third time, if you count it in John chapter 6, uh, you remember even a couple weeks ago, we were together and looking at how Jesus said, 
I am the bread of life. And uh, he spoke concerning uh, the, the, um, the Pharisees, yet again, who were accusing and seeking to tempt him and seeking to stump him. And he's speaking more specifically to his followers. Remember, a disciple is a follower of Christ. And last couple weeks ago, we talked about defining disciples. There are some who follow Christ, but are not true disciples of Christ. They're not true believers. And as we consider those followers yet again, yet now we're seeing them of the religious leaders, and they're not just following, but what we find a specific way in which John refers to it as is Jesus is teaching them, but they're not receiving the teaching. They're not receiving the application for that which God had given to them. Um, you know, when we talk about God speaking, uh, God speaks to us through his word, and that can be summarized and bullet-pointed, could we say, under the fact that through our individual Bible reading, the time that you spend in God's word, when God speaks, do you let him do a work in your life? More than just the Bible knowledge, are you letting God's word change your life? We had a missionary in last week. When God speaks through the missionary, are you letting God use that missionary to speak to your life? God gives you a pastor. When God speaks to the pastor, are you letting God use the pastor to speak to your life? I tell you, sometimes uh, I can be guilty, even as a pastor, that I, that I develop this thinking that I'm above God speaking to me uh, on, on a level that uh, he does to all of us. <laughs> that I can think of myself on some ivory tower, so to speak, like, you know, I've arrived at this point in, in position uh, that's better than or greater than or higher than such and such people. And so therefore, uh, you know, I, I can just say all the amens at the right time. I can just do all the things at the right time. And I, and, you know, um, because it doesn't really apply to me. Let me tell you, all of God's word applies to us. Amen? There should never be any point or place in scripture. There should never be a time and point in our life when God's word is not opened, and God does not speak to us. A few months ago, I sat in the funeral, and it was in one of the churches here in town of a, uh, of a different denomination than we are, and they do things different than we are, and there's, that's not to condemn what they do, but just a different order of service, a different approach, a different style of reading, a different style of speaking. And, uh, but, but let me tell you, uh, when I just set all those differences aside, my better thens and I know this and they don't sort of things aside. And as the word of God was open and I give attention to God's word and I just let God speak to me, it's, it's amazing how that God will outline things to you even through people that you don't know, even through mannerisms that aren't easily received, even through traditions maybe that, that are a little bit different. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help us understand here that when God's word is opened, our hearts and our minds should be also open. We should never consider ourselves to have uh, arrived in a place that I already know these things. We, we always can know more. And by the way, God never gives us Bible knowledge just to simply receive Bible knowledge. Amen? If, if you as a husband... Uh, have grown in your Christian life and you know that your wife uh, has not been progressing in her Christian life to the level that you have, you should be seeking as a husband to help your wife to grow to that same level, not to remain at a higher plane. And vice versa, if you as a wife uh, have, have grown in your Christian life and your husband has not, you should be seeking to help your husband to grow also. 
your children just the same. If your children are not growing in their Christian life to the extent that you believe that you are growing, you should be helping them also to grow just the same. When God's word is open and God speaks to our hearts, it should never be something that we are just simply holding on to. It should never just be something that, okay, well, that was for me and me alone. No, God's word is for all. And maybe it would be that the very reason why that God gave you a message, which you already knew, is for you to share it with somebody else. I don't know how God works outside of what he tells us in his word. I, and what I mean by that even further is I don't know how God is working in your heart, in your life, or even this morning for that matter. But I know that he works. And, and I know that uh, when... Uh, when we as God's people come to him in prayer and by faith believing that he can speak to us, that God will speak to us. And when we ask by faith and prayer that God's Holy Spirit will work through our lives, that his Holy Spirit will work within this room. The Bible tells us that God speaks. Are we listening? Are we taking action? What are we doing with that which we're receiving? I want to give to you some Things that every individual should do when they hear the word of God. And we find in this passage of scripture, at fault to the Pharisees, what, they, uh, what had happened in their life. Uh, but we see their, their quite, uh, quite frankly, failure in their response. The Bible tells us that, number one, when God speaks, there should be a response to his conviction. There should be a response to his conviction. I want to bring your attention to verse number 9 where the Bible speaks concerning the Pharisees. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience. Where is this conviction coming from? Well, if you read the prior verse, verse number 7, we find Jesus responding where he had not before. Here Jesus is speaking in the temple and suddenly these Pharisees come rushing in, the Bible tells us, and they bring this woman in before all the people, all the believers, all the religious leaders that are there, and they say, this woman has committed adultery, and she's committed sin, and we want everyone to know, Jesus, we want you to know, and according to the law, according to the law, she's to be put to death. So Jesus, what do you have to say about that? I mean, that's literally what's taken place thus far. Now, you got to understand the context, because context determines meaning. When we talk about the law, we're talking about that which the Jews had, had some were so living by, beyond the gospel itself, which they not even understood. The gospel being the good news of Christ and coming to this earth and dying on the cross. They haven't yet understood that this is Jesus yet. They haven't understood the gospel yet. They're still holding on to the law. Uh, uh, circumcision, uh, the sacrifices, uh, the Ten Commandments, and all the other things, and, and the, the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Vicus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those books contain the law. All those law traditions and, uh, and uh, order of things that had been given to them in the Old Testament, these are what these Pharisees are holding on to. In fact, uh, just as much in their teaching, it was they who made sure that uh, and, and strive to make sure that everyone else was abiding by the law also. And so when Jesus comes in the horizon and he uh, begins teaching, it rubs them wrong. Because in their minds, they're thinking, wait a second, uh, he's speaking with, no, uh, with, with nearly no context concerning the law. And so now they're constantly trying to find reason to accuse him. Constantly trying to find reason to stump Jesus, to get him to say something contradictory to what they already believe, so that all the other believers who are there will be persuaded to believe and to side, should we say, with them in their way of thinking. Well, here they bring this woman in and they demand, Jesus, what do you think? And the Bible tells us, here's what Jesus does. He kneels down 
when you start strong in the ground. Now, you kind of wonder, because the Bible doesn't tell us, it's vague, what was Jesus drawing, right? Was he drawing a picture of a house and a sun? And, no, I don't think so. Some, some scholars believe that maybe Jesus was writing the very sins of the Pharisees right in the ground as they're pointing out the sins of this lady. I don't know exactly what was being written, but clearly he gave such an attention to it that it, he didn't just stoop down one time to draw, but yet even after he responded to them, he went back to what he was drawing to draw it again. The Bible does tell us this much, though. That after Jesus responded in verse 7, and notice what he says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Can I remind you first and foremost that uh, none of us are above sin? Do we believe that? Yes, amen. Uh, let's try that again. None of us are above sin. Amen. We're, we are all capable of doing wrong. And none of us are less sinners than any other person. You say, well, I didn't murder well, I didn't commit adultery. Uh, well, I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't ever an alcoholic. Look at what they did. Sin is sin. And at the end of the day, sin separates us from God. And at the end of the day, sin has a punishment, which is an eternal hell. The Bible tells us that which we deserve, and if we don't receive Christ, that is where we condemn ourselves to. But let me tell you how true it is and unfortunate that in good Bible-believing churches that Christians can treat others Maybe not even so much outwardly as mentally. Well, I'm not living that way. Well, I don't have that kind of lifestyle like they do. And we almost justify our reasons for not letting God speak to us. We justify our reasons for how we live our life by saying, well, I'm not as bad as she is. Oh, pff, thank God I'm not him. Can you see that, Jesus? I'm much better than he is. And, and, and we develop a thinking in our minds like, well, I'm, I'm on a higher plane. No, Christian, don't, don't, don't forget, we're all sinners. We always will fall short. It's not, here's the murderers, they fall really short of the glory of God, and here's the adulterers, and they fall just a little bit higher than them. And No, there, there, there's, there's no scale to this. Sin is sin. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, because obviously there are some sins that are of greater crime in our government which system which we have today. They are crimes that is truthfully wrong and, and there, is, there is punishment uh, and, and justice that, would, that uh, must rightfully be served to individuals that do wrong. But uh, when we consider the Christian life and God's order to these things and, God, uh, and, and, and how we live the Christian life, the question that we should be asking ourselves is that when God speaks, do I respond the conviction of his word. What does that word conviction mean? The word convict or convicted has the very idea of somebody being convicted of a wrong. We say somebody who's been convicted of murder. You know, They've been convicted of, you fill in the blank, this crime. And what it is is somebody who, there's been a crime which they've committed and it's been identified and therefore we're accusing that individual for that which they've done, and there's evidence maybe even to back it up, they are convicted for that crime. This is something which they've done. Let me ask you, Christian, and listen closely. When God's word is opened, when God speaks, are you convicted? Are you reminded that you're a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner in need of Christ? Are you reminded that you need God's word? Are you reminded that without God's word, you have nothing else to live by? Conviction 
is God speaking to you through your conscience. And this is the passage of Scripture that we find in the Word of God, how the Holy Spirit works. In verse number 9, it gives us such a crystal clear picture of how God speaks. The Bible says, And they which heard it, convicted by their own conscience. It doesn't mean that they themselves, you know, suddenly felt bad. No, this was the Holy Spirit poking them, jabbing them, punching them, causing them to feel miserable for that which they've just done. I can't believe what I just did. I'm convicted. I've, I've realized that I've, I've, I've done wrong. I've not done right before God. This is that idea of conviction, the picture which we get. You know, an individual who's convicted in today's uh, society, uh, whether you, you know, watch someone in a courtroom and the lawyers on both sides and the yelling that might go on and the back and forth and, and the different sightings and the juries there and then all that they say, and, uh, setting all sides aside, somebody who's been convicted of something responds one of two ways. It's either, I'm guilty, or I'm not guilty. I didn't do it. <laughs> That's not me. No, you, can you believe what they did? It's their fault. They're the ones who deserve the punishment. It's not me. I've been wrongfully accused. Let me tell you, too often, we approach God's word that way. That's not me. God's not talking to me. That, that's not for me. That's for the unbeliever. That, that's, that I, I've been a Christian for years. I taught a Sunday school class. Let me tell you, I've served in every ministry in the church that you can name. I've done all there is to know about the Christian life. And in fact, I've, I've hit a certain point in my life where I don't even think I can do anymore because my body has given up from all the ministry that I've given to God. We can live the Christian life that way. We set ourselves aside like we, we're on some higher plane than everyone else. And the truth is, we're no, we're no better than the Pharisees. The Pharisees were very religious people. I mean, they knew God's word. They could quote you scripture. I mean, in fact, they carried scripture. The Jews, they'd wrap all these things around their, their, their wrists and their arms, up and down, all the scripture which they're carrying, the little box they put on their forehead, and the scripture contained within it, as though it's coming into my mind sort of mentality. That was, that was how the Jews, they lived, and they, 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 they knew the word of God. But when God convicted their heart, notice how they responded. The Bible says, and they which heard the word, uh, heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, being at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. They just left. They didn't fall with a contrite heart before God and say, God, I'm humbled. God, you've spoken to me. God, this is me. I, I'm, I'm convicted. God, I realize that you, you, you have spoken directly to me. No. They walked out. I wonder, Christian, it's unfortunate it happens in too many churches, but how many times have we walked through these doors having been convicted by the Holy Spirit and we've done nothing, we do nothing to change our life? What is the reason why you come, let's put it in context of Scripture, why do you come to the temple? Why do you come to the house of God? Why do you come to church? For many of the Pharisees, it was every other reason in the book than to hear the teaching of God's word, to be convicted by his word, and to respond to it. You read in chapter 6, you find 
that it's the followers, those who are following Jesus, the only reason why they followed Jesus said it was because they, they just wanted to see another miracle, which he did. They weren't actually following because they wanted to be receiving God's word. Christian, why are you a part of the, why are you attending in the temple? What, do you let God speak to you? When you have your personal devotions, and hopefully you do, and you open God's word, do you let God convict you? I'll tell you, I, I, was, I was encouraged in this way and challenged in this way by a preacher once that when I pick up God's word and I have my daily devotions, don't put it down until I can say, God spoke to me about this in my life and I'm going to make a change or I'm going to do more because he spoke to me about that thing. If you're just picking God's word up and you just read a chapter and you can go on with the day without once thinking about it, God's not spoken to you and you've not let him speak to you. Amen? When God speaks, respond to his conviction. Number two, when God speaks, accept his forgiveness. Accept his forgiveness. Look at, uh, no, look at verse number 11. Um, in fact, bring it back to verse number 10. The Bible says, When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Because remember, they're ready to condemn. And Jesus says, Well, wait a second. You guys are no better than she is. Uh, but, you know, if you're truthfully, you're sinless, then you be the first to throw the stone. You be the first to stone her. All of them walked away. So here Jesus and this woman are left in verse 11. And Jesus, uh, or and she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, verse 11, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'm going to read that again. And I want you to think about these words because when I read it the first time, I didn't quite catch it. He says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Some people have, have debated about Jesus just brushing this, the sins of this woman aside like it was not important. But I truthfully believe that when we read, especially that end of the verse, go and sin no more, it's Jesus who's saying, I forgive you. You've done wrong, I forgive you. I'm not done with you yet. God still has a plan for you. God still desires to do more for you. Go and sin no more. Keep from sin and live for God. Amen? Let me tell you, you might be here today, and you may say, well, you don't understand what I've done, Pastor Miller. I've committed some serious sins. I've got some serious baggage in my life. I've had some things that have been weighing on my heart. You have no idea, Pastor. I, I truthfully, I have no idea. You're exactly right. I don't. Let me tell you, Jesus knows, and Jesus forgives. Amen? And you've committed a wrong. You've committed a crime. You've, you've, you're, you're carrying a burden of sin upon your heart. The Bible tells us Jesus loves you. And Jesus has forgiven you. In fact, Jesus has forgiven you before you even heard the, and read the words that came from Jesus himself. Go and sin no more. Jesus already has forgiven you before you even acknowledged it. What love. What love of our Savior that he would forgive us, sinful mankind. Here's the challenge. He says, go and sin no more. He says, it's, I'm not telling you to be sinless. I'm telling you to keep from sin. Don't live in open sin. You're here today. Maybe you're a Christian. You're not a Christian. Don't live in sin, Jesus says. Don't live in sin. <laughs> you want to grow in Christ? Don't live in sin. Don't let sin be the preeminent thing in your life. Here this woman is. She's living in adultery, and it's known by everyone. It's been announced, and everyone knows it in their heart. And, and now it hasn't helped. Yeah, she could rightfully say, well, yeah, but they accused me. That's not fair. 
Look at what they said about me. This isn't right. I, I realize I did wrong, but why, why did they do that? Jesus simply says, go and sin no more. <laughs> Thank God we serve a forgiving God. Amen? Because truthfully, if we all got, got what we deserved after committing the sins which we have, and we all are sinners, and we all have sin in our life, and we all have past sins that we have things that we wish we had not done, yet God still loves, and God has forgiven. Can I remind you also, remain with a heart of forgiveness. Here we find the Pharisees, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to condemn, condemn, condemn. They're trying to condemn the woman for that which she did, and accuse and accuse and accuse and point all the fingers, and here Jesus, the first thing that he does he forgives. Amen. That's wonderful. I'm going to forgive. Christian, may we remain with a heart of forgiveness. That we would look past the sin as Jesus does. Amen. Amen. We all have sin. We all have sin. But let's not treat others differently because they may have more open sin than we do. Amen. The Bible tells us this charity never faileth. This is the greater thing which I have a, a more excellent way, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. A more excellent way I have given to you is charity. And what was it more excellent then than the law? Because the church at Corinth had gotten so caught up in all their belief of the law, I'm going to live by the law. If you don't abide by the law, are you even Christian? If you're, even, if you're not doing what I'm doing, are you even right with God? And Paul says, God's given to you a more excellent way. I've given you love. Love others. Was God saying throw out the Ten Commandments? No. If it wasn't for the law that helps to identify our sin, we wouldn't know that it's there. <laughs> we need the Word of God to help identify our sin, but the heart which we must remain in is a heart of forgiveness and of love. So the Bible tells us when God speaks, respond to his conviction. Number two, when God speaks, accept his forgiveness. 1 John 1, verse 9, the word of God promises us if we confess our sins, what? You say it with me. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a wonderful promise. If it's not marked in your Bible, it should be. 1 John 1, in verse number 9. You know, another interesting verse concerning the matter of sin comes to mind. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Why don't you turn there with me? 1 Thessalonians 5. In verse 22. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22. What we find of uh, the word of God and, and what is given to us in 1 Thessalonians 5 is a preparation of the church and a preparation of the, the people at Thessalonica for the coming of Christ. And we find a list of things that are given to them of things that they are to do until the Christ comes, until Christ returns. And how are they to live their lives? And within this list, we come to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22, where the Word of God says, abstain from all what? Appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. You know what that word abstain means? It means to have absolutely nothing to do with it. Don't be associated with it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The word evil, quite interestingly enough, that is used in 1 Thessalonians 5 is the very same word evil that is used in Matthew 5 when Satan himself is described. 
when Satan tempts Jesus, and the Bible speaks concerning the evil of Satan, this is the very same word which is used, which gives us this picture in 1 Thessalonians 5, that in the original Greek, as it was written by Paul to the church at Thessalonica, he says, abstain all appearance of anything that looks satanic, anything that looks like Satan, anything that looks sinful, anything that looks evil, anything that appears evil, anything that smells, anything that uh, feels, anything that is not godly, abstain from it. The very appearance of it. Don't be associated with it. Some of us do well at abstaining from specific things, but when we talk about the appearance of things, it doesn't always apply to us. Well, we're the first ones to say abstain from uh, you know, adultery, yet we sit in our living room and we watch it on our television. We're the first ones to say abstain uh, from alcohol and drugs, and once again, we let it right into our home through our television. We're the first ones to say, well, I'm, I'm going to uh, abstain from wearing these kinds of clothing in church. I'm going to the house of God, but yet every other part of our life doesn't apply. And when we talk about our body being a temple of the Holy Ghost in every part of our life, the body, that body, soul, and spirit, all of our life being truly given to God, it's with a complete abstaining of not just the sin, but even the appearance of it. That I would not even be accused or thought of to have done that wrong, that sin, before God. As Joseph himself was, the very thought of sin, to lay down with Potiphar's wife, he said, how could I, how could I do this great sin before God? That should be our response to every, every appearance of evil. Every appearance of evil. In 1 Peter 2, and verse 11, the word of God says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Matthew Henry, a great commentator, said, He who is not shy of the appearances of sins, who shuns not the occasions of sin, and who avoids not the temptations and approaches to sin, will not long abstain from the actual commission of sin. And how true that is. Notice in verse number 12 of John chapter 8, if you, assuming you're still there, God gives this characteristic concerning himself, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. There's a contrast here. Light and darkness. The contrast being made in their context at this time, the darkness was the thinking that of the Pharisees. That when God spoke to them, and convicted their hearts, yet they didn't respond. That when they saw someone had sin, rather than looking past the sin and having a spirit of forgiveness and love, yet they called it out. And they lifted themselves at a higher plane. That's darkness. That's the sin. That's the contrast. The light is that which God gives. And the Bible tells us, walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I want you to turn with me just a few pages over. John chapter 1. We'll just kind of park here for a little bit when we can think and consider the accepting of forgiveness, the forgiveness which God gives, is contained right within the very character of God. The character being that of that He is light. And John, for John, this is not the first time which he's referred to, to God and or Jesus being that light. 
John 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Only Christ, the Bible tells us, can give life. Only Christ can give life. Look at verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Here's the truth of the matter. When you let the light of Christ in your life, it will push all the sin out. Amen. It'll push all that darkness out. Um, I mentioned earlier how that, you know, you love hospitals, right? And, and how that uh, you try to get some sleep and they just come in every, you know, half an hour. And uh, when the nurse is done, then, uh, you know, the lady comes in. And I, I'm going to see what you want on the menu for the whole rest of the day. And when she's finished, then the doctor himself comes in. When the doctor's finished, then the nurse comes back. I'm just coming to check in again, you know. And uh, so you have this going on through the whole night. And here I am laying on, you know, all the great labor, which I did, you know. But here I'm laying on the, on the bed there. And, and um, my, wife, my wife can tell you, too, it just, it, she brought earplugs just to block out the sound. But uh, they come in, they knock on the door, there's three little taps, you know, it just drives you nuts. I'm sorry, if you're, if you're a nurse, I'm sorry, okay? But it, it drives you nuts, okay? They knock on the door, those three little taps, and they come in, hello, I'm just here to check on you. You know, can I turn on the light? And I'm thinking, like, no, please don't turn on the light. I'm trying to sleep, you know. And so many times I just sit up and say, she's sleeping. Oh, okay, I'll come back later. I'm like, yes, thank God, right? But they keep wanting to turn on that light. What, that, what, what does that light do? It pushes all of the darkness out. And when we put it in picture with Christ, the Bible tells us that he is that light. When you let the light of Christ come in, in other words, when you let God speak to you, and you let the light of Christ in your life, what it's going to do is push all the sin out. But when you let, try to let the light of Christ in and you resist that light, in the end, you're just going to walk out. <laughs> you don't want it. You don't want it to change your life because you want to hold on to the old life. In fact, that's what 1 John uh, is, tells us. Turn to 1 John. 1 John tells us concerning that old life, a life of darkness. 1 John, at the end of your New Testament, 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5. Here, John has hardly even gotten into the book in his writing, and he's hardly even given the introduction, but this is what he says in verse 5. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Look down at verse number 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ is that cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know what John is saying here? This is literally what John is saying. John is saying that if you are living for God, and the light of Christ is coming in your life, it's going to be evident by how that you're living for him. The word fellowship that he uses is speaking of a relationship to an extent and a level of, I just know who God is, but no, he's a part of my life. He's changed my life. Like a husband and wife, when they marry, they become one. And now they, their life is changed. And, and there's now a new way of living, a new approach to everything. It's now uh, mutual finances, right? They're sharing a home. The refrigerator is no longer just the husband's. The car doesn't any longer belong to him, right? It's, they're, they're all, there's a relationship that is there. And when we consider the relationship that's with God, everything that I have is his. I have fellowship with him. 
It's, it's a kind of relationship that says, okay, Lord, you can come in, make yourself at home, but don't touch anything in the fridge. That beer is mine. Don't touch it. Uh, Jesus, make yourself in my home. You can be right here, but just, just don't touch the remote because all, all the, the movies that I saved in my DVR or all the shows that I watch on my television streaming, uh, you won't like those seasons that I watch. Uh, we, we, we justify ourselves as I'm not as bad as these people, but we let them right into our home. The Bible tells us if you truly have fellowship with God, you're going to abstain from even the appearance of evil. You're not going to let sin into your life. You're going to let the light in so much that it's going to push all the sin out. And if you're the whole time wrestling and fighting against the very conviction of God, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get bitter towards God. You're going to get bitter towards the people of God. You're going to get bitter towards the things of God. And if it's not done your way, you're going to be frustrated. At the end of the day, our hearts and our minds and our lives should be with open arms to Christ. My life is yours. Whatever you lead me to do, whatever, whoever you use to lead me to do, whatever you ask me to do in your word, whatever your word says, I'm going to obey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live in the light and not in the darkness. The Bible tells us lastly, in number three, as we uh, finish here together, and I appreciate your patience in listening. John chapter 8, and looking in verse number 12, yet again, the Bible says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We see number three, when God speaks, take him at his word. Take him at his word. The problem with the Pharisees is they refused to believe what Jesus was telling them. They refused to apply the very words of God. They refused to let the words of God become a part of their life. Now, you know what's interesting about the word light that is used by Jesus? is He's using the very same Hebrew word as we find in the Old Testament and uh, used by the prophets in, in Psalms when the light is referred to, uh, verses such as Psalm 27, verse 1, where uh, the Word of God says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Or Isaiah chapter 16, verse 19, The Lord will be your everlasting light. Uh, Job 29, and verse 3, By this light I walk through darkness. Uh, Micah 7, and verse 8, When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be the light unto me. And what do all these verses have parallel to it? The same word he's using is Jesus telling the Pharisees, I am the same light that you have read about, that you have memorized, that you have made a Bible knowledge part of your life. He's talking to the Pharisees. I am that light. Oh, no, you're not, say the Pharisees. You're not him. In fact, who's there to say anything different than your own word? It's your word against ours, is their argument. L look at what the word of God says, John chapter 8, and, and, and the argument that, that they make with him. In verse 13, And the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. What are they alluding to? You have to understand the context. Because in the law, okay, if an accusation was made, there had to have been two witnesses. Okay, and Jesus says that himself. He says in verse 14, but I'll try to break it down for you here. Verse 14, Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, in other words, though I'm speaking for myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I came and whither I go. In other words, he says, my word is enough. What I'm telling you is enough. C could we just park there for a second? God's word is enough. Amen? 
God's word is enough. When God says it, it's truth. Amen? When God says obey it, we should obey it. Amen? When God says live by it, we should live by it. And stop sitting and arguing about it. Stop sitting and debating about it. Stop sitting and thinking about why I shouldn't have to do it. And simply just obey God's word. <laughs> this is what they say. They, they, they say, you have no other truth. Well, is God's word not enough? Christian, is God's word enough for you? When God speaks to you, can you say that's enough? That's what I need. That's all I need. Give me more. <laughs> Boy, would that be our heart. Amen. Let's continue. Verse 15. He says, ye judge after the flesh. I judge no man. In other words, here they're judging of the flesh. They're pointing the finger and saying, she has a sin. Jesus says, I'm, I'm not, there, there is no judgment here. Verse 16. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. Verse 16 brings us back to what verse 11 tells us. When in verse 11 he says, neither do I condemn thee. Really what Jesus was saying was, the ultimate final judgment is not here yet. So until Christ returns, or until you go to be with Christ in heaven, go and sin not. Keep from sin. But I'm not going to condemn you now. You condemn yourself when you choose not to believe God's word. Amen? John chapter uh, 3 and verse number 17. We condemn ourselves when we choose not to believe upon the Savior. Verse 17. It, also, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. There it is. Jesus is alluding to the law itself. And all the time the Pharisees have been trying to stump him. Does he actually know the law? Does he actually know what the law says? Jesus is proving to them. But verse 18. He says, I am the one that bear witness of myself. So he says, I am that first witness. But here's the second witness. And the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Take my word for it. Take God the Father's word for it. Is it enough for you? That's what Jesus says. And Christian, this is the message back to us. Is God's word enough for you? When God's word says it, when God says don't live in adultery, when God says um, uh, that, 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 there, that, that marriage is holy and to keep it uh, uh, with Christ in the center, uh, do you keep it with Christ in the center? When God says uh, to abstain from all appearance of evil, do you abstain from that appearance uh, by the way that you talk, by the way that you dress, by the places you go, by the people you spend time with? When God says not to do it, do you listen? The Bible tells us we are to be hearers and what? Doers of the word. Some of us are just hearers. And we don't like to hear it. But God says, I'm the light of the world. I give you a light which I desire to shine into your life. And if you let the light of Christ in, you'll have no desire to sin. But if you resist that light under the conviction of God and His Holy Spirit, you're just going to walk away. It's unfortunate and sad that too many times Christians and even unbelievers, when convicted by the Word of God, refuse. They refuse to take God at His Word. That when God tells them there's an eternal hell, that if they don't receive Christ, that they'll burn there for all eternity, that's not good enough for them. That when God tells them in his word that uh, when salvation is received, it's for all eternity and I've forgiven you of all your sins, that's got not good enough for them. That when God promises in his word that when we live for him and obey him, that he will bring blessings into our life, that's not good enough for them. I heard uh, somebody say the other day, uh, well, sometimes you just got to live a little bit. I'm all about living, okay? 
I enjoy life. You've got to live a little bit. There's some wonderful things in life, like uh, having another child. That's a wonderful thing. That's a, that's a blessing that God gives. Those are enjoyable, special times in life. But if life to you is all about you and nothing to do with the Word of God, I ask you the same question John asked. Do you even have fellowship with God? Are you even a believer? Let's every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not here today to cause you to doubt your salvation. I'm not here this morning.